0: This is Laura Deirda with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Peter Shemamian, Vice President and Chief Quality Officer at Montefiore Medical Center in New York City. Dr. Shemamian, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Lauren. Before we dive into the questions, I was wondering if you'd tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. So um, I'm the Chief Quality Officer at the Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx, New York. Um, it's a academic medical center, and the teaching hospital for the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. I've been at Montefiore for just over 10 years. I was recruited initially as the chief of general surgery, where I was practicing for some time and then asked to take over the role as chief quality officer. And after a couple of years, it became apparent that the role of chief quality officer would take 100% of my time. So I, over the years, transitioned over um, to being chief quality officer full time. So my um, responsibilities include gathering data for reportable uh, quality measures to the state government, the federal government, um, joint commission, and uh, specialty organizations. Uh, We also produce many, many reports and analyze our data and performance. Um, I also oversee the infection control uh, program at the hospital as well as um, uh, patient experience and patient safety. And in order to support all of that, um, as I mentioned, we have an analytic team, but we also have a performance improvement team that um, when we identify opportunities um, can come in and um, actually drive improvement.
0: Fantastic. It sounds like you have a a great uh, department built in there that you can work with to really make sure that the quality is fantastic and you're making improvements. What are your top priorities today, and how do you anticipate they're going to change in the coming year?
1: So, uh, top priorities today is a great question because it's uh, very different than it was just over a year ago, you know, pre pandemic and then with the pandemic. A lot of our efforts were really focused on quality measures that were dictated to us by the state and federal government, but also picking up opportunities where we saw adverse events or opportunities for improved outcomes for patients. But for now, Our our big priority is continuing to make the hospital safe for patients with COVID and without COVID that come in to continue to bring uh, back the patient's confidence to come to the hospital for their care. So we we do this in many ways and many collaborations, again, with infection control, but also carefully tracking um, the COVID patients and populations in the hospital and also trying to predict where that um, census is going to go so that we can continue to keep the hospital open to provide care for patients that, that needed. One of the sort of tragedies with COVID was patients that needed care weren't coming to the hospitals. And um, during the, the height of the pandemic last spring, we actually had to cut down on services because there just simply wasn't enough. Beds and providers.
0: Got it. That makes sense. And so you're really able to now just kind of bring that focus on having people come back to the hospital for the services they need and the types of surgeries and anything else that um, typically they would be getting and be very helpful for them after the pandemic.
1: That's right. And we 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 try to keep track of that, um, looking at the a couple of data points and you know uh, it's not just number of surgeries but types of surgeries. Are they elective? Are they emergent? And we're really trying to get more into now looking at our screening for cancers and other diseases or are those patients coming back to them so this is this is something i think that it's it's really important um, to do so the, the other piece that we feel is really important is to go back and reflect on um, what happened uh, during the pandemic to our standard approaches to, to quality and safety so on a on a given good day without a pandemic we have standards of care that we use to protect our patients from harm in the hospital, prevent them from getting infections, from pressure injuries, from falls, um, getting the wrong medications, those types of things. And we have to look back now in our experience of COVID. So when we're in the pandemic, how did we respond? Were we able to keep up those same standards of care? Is this ingrained in the culture of our organization that uh, no matter what, there are certain things that really rise to the top in care that we we need, to, um, we need to do. And I think it's a really important lesson for the staff um, as we reflect on these care standards to see how important it was for the outcome of patients. Because again, we, we were dealing with COVID, but we were also dealing with everything else that comes with caring for a patient in the hospital. And the fact that we maintained those standards allowed us to have better outcomes for patients with, with COVID.
0: Well, fantastic. That, that sounds great. And um, from your perspective, what are you most excited about right now and what makes you nervous?
1: So excitement, I, I think, in healthcare right now from COVID really comes from the idea that um, healthcare is going to change because of COVID. And some things that would have a big impact on healthcare that has taken us a long time to get to. So a, a really good example in my mind of that is telemedicine. So there have been a, a a great deal of hope that we could begin to be able to interface with our patients in more efficient ways other than having them come into a practice to be seen and what a lot of us had thought about and worked on for years seemed to develop overnight with with covid we we had to be able to get to patients but we had to make it safe and we're learning that that telemedicine actually does work it helps it helps patients especially those that have difficulty getting to an appointment Um, It it helps with some of the efficiencies of appointments, um, and it helps, um, especially in those interactions where you potentially wouldn't need to have uh, direct uh, contact with the patient. So, for example, behavioral health. I I think that's something that we learned, and we learned how important that is, and I think that we can expand our reach to patients. I also think it maybe will begin to signal that we need to find a better way to provide health care to more So one of the tragedies of the pandemic was that it was patients with pre-existing conditions and potentially pre-existing conditions that were not controlled well that suffered the most and had higher mortality. So it tells us that our healthcare delivery system needs to be able to reach more more people and to begin to stabilize them. And that, in fact, if we had care that, that rewarded the efforts to reduce hospitalizations and reduce the need to have to be uh, no longer independent um, those outcomes would be better so that sort of population health approach could have been really dramatically better for, for hospitals the other thing is is around um, you know public health initiatives so you know if we, if we think about um, you know how this came together um, you know we're, we're um, and, and hospitals um, asked um, to show data on for example our flu vaccinations. Um, and how important it is to protect staff and protect patients when they come in. But these types of public health measures um, for making sure vaccinations are up to date, uh, yearly flu vaccinations, the importance of vaccines for keeping people from getting sick, um, to recognize um, when there is an outbreak of a disease and how to mitigate that. I think those lessons learned are gonna be tremendously important moving forward. Um, There there is there's an opportunity there now to have the public um, understand, um, you know, what that infectious diseases are still around. A lot of us remember AIDS in the early days, TB, um, MERS, SARS, Ebola, these things, they they keep cropping up and they were really complicated when they came along. And COVID is just all of those um, um, essentially on steroids. Um, that has, I think, now opened the eyes to the importance of of, uh, of public health initiatives. And and I think that um, many of the state departments of health are now focusing on um, broader training for public health. And I hope that more uh, individuals, whether they go into traditional medical school and then take on um, public health roles or even people that, that, that are trained directly in medicine, but also take on public health roles. Uh, that would be important because I think that that can really um, mitigate a lot of the disease and suffering that we have.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I had a question for you about leadership. What are you your three pieces of advice for aspiring leaders today?
1: It, it, it's such an important point that you bring up around leadership. And the last year has really shown us the importance of leaders I think one thing that's really important as a leader is you have to remember that you're not sitting on the carriage with the reins, that you're in front of the team pulling with them. And the team needs to see that and they need to feel it. And, and, and you really have to pull extra hard because that's what your team needs. They need to feel that in order to be able to come along with you. Um, my, my analytic team has been working seven days a week for over a year. Um, you know, and and it's and, and they're up on Sunday mornings um, producing reports that we know we need to support the operations of the hospital. They want to do that now because they they see the importance of what they're doing. They they really feel that sense of I'm fighting back this pandemic in in my ability to provide information that's relevant and timely. Um, you know, being able to get. Some of my staff, who were nurses that had not been at the bedside for years, to now go back to the hospital and support the clinical staff—that um, that was those—that was really complicated. But but they they knew that we were all in this and we were all pulling together. So I I think that's that's really important for your your teams to realize is that that you, you're the you're the leader. You're you are pulling as hard if not harder than they are. I think the other thing is, is openness and transparency Um, that you have to be honest with your team um, and, and you have to be really willing to listen to what they have to say. So, you know, one of the, one of the things that um, happened early on in the pandemic is um, the decision about whether or not to bring people in. So most of my team are back office. They, They don't, they're not at the bedside. And we actually have an office remote from the hospital. But what occurred to me early on was that we were in a little bit of a predicament. And I, I had an early understanding of viral of this virus and how it was being transmitted. And I had one person in my office come to me and say, I'm just too frightened to come to work. I just don't want to commute. And I said, go and stay home. If, if, you're, if that's what you feel is best for you, stay home. And that's what I told my team. And I think it was a really good decision. And and I was open with everybody, and I said, you know, this is going to be really complicated for us to do because we have work that we're required to do. But listening to them and speaking to them, and being able to understand what those fears were, I think that really helped everybody see that we were all in this together. And and having that ability for them to come to me and share their fears with me. Um, made it possible for me to make a really good decision because some of the people on my team actually got sick. And I, to this day, I think to myself, what would have happened if I hadn't said, okay, everybody, everybody that can work from home that wants to work from home, go home, um, that would have spread through our office. As has as happened you know, with common colds over the years, somebody would come in coughing and sneezing. Next thing you know, it, everybody was sick over the course of the next few weeks. And I think it would have been really, um, really complicated and disastrous. And the other thing I think, uh, just wanted to, my, my third point is, um, uh, you know, advocating for your team and understanding what, what everybody wants out of their career and out of their lives. Um, you know, there are, there are people that are really ambitious um, in their careers and really want to move up the ladder. And there, there are people that are really focused on what they do and they really love what they do and that's just what they want to do. But I think it's really important to understand that. And that, you know, in the last year, um, I haven't forgotten that. And, you know, it, it would seem kind of crazy, but once we got into the kind of lull of the pandemic in the summer, I, I went back to those conversations with my team members and I said, okay, we were talking about your growth and the opportunities and you wanted to move on to this. You wanted to take this course. You were thinking about getting a master's degree. Let's get back to that. And, and I think that it, it created this, um, the sense of normalcy and support from the team, even in the height of the pandemic. And, and I'm, I'm I'm pointing this out in the pandemic because it was hard to do in the pandemic. But I think when we come out of this, I think it's really important for leaders to, to understand um, what their team members want to do, what their aspirations are, and to help them get there. You know, um, if someone comes to me and says, I want to play shortstop for the Yankees, I might say, I can't help you with that, right? That's, you know... Um, but if they say, you know, I would really like to move up and I would like to become a director and I would like to have a role that does this, or I would, I would like to move my team and I'd like to build this, this new infrastructure uh, around this project. Um, I would like to, I, some people say to me, I, would, I want your job, you know, and I don't think they want to kick me out, but they're, they're aspiring to, to a career path. And I think it's extremely important to support your team members on that. Um, advocate for them, continually review their performance and their progress, give them that really constructive criticism, uh, because then you'll find you'll find that they row extra hard for you when you need them.
0: Dr. Shamamian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future.
1: Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed it.
0: If you enjoyed this interview, check out more Just Like It by subscribing to our Becker's Clinical
1: Leadership Podcast, available for download wherever you get your podcasts.